Bobcast with Old Bay Brigade, hosted by Rooster and the Villain. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Maryland Bobcast. Uh, this is Alex. Um, I'm here with Jake and uh, Mike. Tonight we have Bobcats president Jay Saba joining us um, for a little bit of a conversation about uh, the Maryland Bobcats, the former uh, world-class premier elite. Um, before we get started tonight, we would be remiss to not take a moment to mention uh, a tragic passing in the Bobcat family. Um, reserve team player Yannick Ndalu, uh passed away um, in the last couple of days at the age of 21. Um, this young man was an absolute hero. Um, he gave his life to help a young man and his father um, who were struggling to get out of the water at the beach in um, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Um, we send our respects and hopes to uh, his family, the entire Bobcats family, um, and hope they find peace. Um, as soon as we find out more about finding ways to reach his family, we will post that on our Twitter page, um, donations and such, um, hopefully very, very soon. So... Mike, go ahead and lead us in here with Jay. It's good to see you tonight, Jay. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Jay, we're so appreciative you came out. We, uh, you know, we, we've heard a lot about you. We've seen your name around a bunch uh, around the club. Obviously, we, we have an interest in the Maryland Bobcats and, and what you bring. Uh, so thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for doing this on your own spare time. You know, uh, no one is paying you guys for this. We're very, very grateful. Uh, honestly, Jake has been following us in the UPSL days, <laughs> all the way from Texas. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, we're very grateful, guys. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's our pleasure. I, I think anytime you see a local club come about, it's it's awesome to see, and especially with the way you guys have branded the club, the way the youth academy is growing, the way it's for all local keeping it cheap for, for the youth academy too. It's just, it's hitting all the right buttons for me. So I'm, I'm happy to support and happy to be here um, doing the podcast just to, yeah, just to, just to get the word out. So why don't we uh, jump into it a little bit? I'm just kind of curious about your own soccer journey and, and, you know, what was soccer like for you as a, as a child? It was great because, you know, football, as we call it back home, is basically the number one sport, uh, uh, basically in, in my country, Nigeria, and all of Africa. So, uh, you know, from when you're a kid, everyone plays on the street and things like that. So you're almost, it's impossible for you not to play f football back home. Uh, so I grew up playing it, uh, you know, played in high school back home before I came here for college and things like that. Uh, but my dad literally just told me, you can't make that much money off football. <laughs> so <laughs> you might as well focus on your studies and your academics and things like that. So I played recreational here and there, and but I wasn't too serious about anything like college and stuff. So it was just studying, studying, studying. Did you play organized soccer growing up or is it basically like pickup games? Oh, no, I played organized soccer growing up. Uh, even at UMBC, I played for the uh, club soccer ah. at UMBC. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, uh, since I've started following the team, noticed a strong UMBC connection. So, um, so, yes. so you played, how many years did you play at UMBC? For the club soccer? Yeah. I would say two years for the club soccer. Yeah, two years. Yeah, so they had the club set up and then they had the, the team set up as well? Yeah, they have the the men's like the pro team. I mean, not the pro team, the the main team, and then they have like the club soccer that is completely different from it. Uh, yeah, from the, yeah. So yeah, that seemed to be a pretty common thing. I know I had that at, at my school as well. There was I, I went to a little Division three school, but still I enjoyed. Uh, I pretty much attended every game, and it was still high quality soccer Division three. And I know the club team was actually pretty good too. They would scrimmage the the varsity team at our school, and definitely give them a run sometime yeah i think the club soccer is built like a lot of people they're so busy college itself is you know is so hectic so uh, you have to have that time and it depends on what kind of major you, you know you're studying in school too it's a lot of time so a lot of some of the good players really 
don't have time because they're focused. I mean, you can't be doing biochemistry <laughs> as a major or biology, as a major, especially in a college like UMBC, which is an honest college, and think you can play varsity soccer. It's impossible. So, I mean, there are few that can do it, but, yeah, it's very rare to be able to find stuff like that. So there are good players in the club soccer too, but a lot of those good players, I think they're more focused on the academics and they really don't have that time that it takes to put towards the varsity. I know that I, I went to Towson University and, and did some club sports, uh, not not soccer, but I did some club rugby along the way. And I feel like just going and playing a Division One, Division Three, whatever it is, college sport and being on their main roster is just so time consuming um, to, to think about the, the well-rounded people that the club sports seem to create. Um, yep. It's really an exciting thing. Yep. I love Towson, by the way. We, we That used to be basically the place we went to go party when I was in college. <laughs> There's a why I literally only drink at Bobcats games now because of Towson and what they did to me. Yeah, that was number one party school back then. <laughs> I've driven through that area. I've, I've definitely heard. I'm from New Jersey originally, so I, don't, I didn't know Towson had a party reputa- reputation. Yeah, they did back then. So I don't know how it is now, but back then, because UMBC is more like (laughs) studying, like literally is like a geek school. So in order for you to like enjoy or have some kind of little bit of fun, you got to look for somewhere else to go to. And Towson seems to be one of those places, you know, to have fun. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it is to about 18 years old. That's the time where you're deciding whether you want to take you know, studies more seriously or, or soccer more seriously. So yep. A, yeah. So how did, um, how did the interest in the club come about? I, I mean, did you enter the workforce and just kind of work a, you know, what, what you would call a normal job for a few years and then play soccer on the side or how did that come about? No, after literally after graduating from college, uh, we, we, we had a group of friends, uh, you know, like, we didn't know what life was going to be like after college, right? <laughs> so everyone was like, hey, we had no idea, but we still wanted to keep seeing each other, right? Like once in a while. And we knew when we we're graduating, how can we possibly be able to continue to see each other, like that group of people. So we decided to then form a rec team and then started playing in the Maryland Major Soccer League, which is every Sunday. So that's our opportunity to be able to still be able to link up, and, you know, just grab a couple of beers after the games and things like that. So that's where that came from. And, uh, you know, we started playing in Maryland, Maryland majors every Sunday, started catching up with people and things like that. Uh, we continued that same momentum. Uh, and then we, we continued, we continued to do it, but we, along the line, we started focusing more on, a lot of the players within the DMV, there's so much talent here. And most are not actually being given the recognition that they deserve, you know. And some of them might play really, really well for a different club. And they might help the club achieve something and their name is not nowhere to be found, uh, you know. And then we started paying attention to that. But financially, we're not there. So there's really nothing we could do. Uh, but you know, as we continue to grow, you know, and we continue to become more successful and that gave us the ability to be able to say, okay, you know what, we can go elsewhere. And the UPSL nationals was, was basically, uh, that opportunity for us. And once you have that kind of opportunity, timing is key. You can't let that sleep, you know, because then people are not going to remember you. They were just going to remember you as a, yes, once a UPSL national chance, but there's always an opportunity for every club. And once that opportunity comes, if you don't take advantage of that, you might not be able to get less an opportunity again. So that's why we pounced on it when the opportunity came. So about what year was, uh, did you start playing in, in Maryland majors? Uh, it's been over a decade now. It's been a long, long time. I thought I saw you around thirty-five, right? That's that's my age. No, I'm actually I'm thirty-six. Yeah, you're close. I'm thirty-six. People see me and they'll be like, "Oh, uh, because 
I've just been doing so many things at such young age. People think I'm in my 40s or something like that. You you hear soccer club president and you think older for sure. So I was like, when I met you, Jay, at the at the Plex for the first time, I was like, I can't decide whether this guy is in his 30s or 22. <laughs> <Certain> process. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm about to be 37, uh, 37 in September, so I'm thirty six. Uh, I would say decades ago, we we went through multiple name changes. Uh, you know, Baltimore City FC, uh, Crystal's Baptist FC, several name changes to next level soccer, and then let's graduate to World Class Premier Elite. And then before we then jump to Maryland, Maryland Bobcats uh, and things like that. But it's been literally the same club and it's been more than a, more than a decade. Now. So then I want to hand it over to Jake, too, I'm sure, since you've been following the club the longest out of all of us. Uh, I'd, I'd give you the floor to ask some as many questions about the UPSL days as you want. Yeah, actually, one of the one of the main things I always wondered was um, like right when I started following you guys was right when you guys were entering into the semifinals in 2019 Mm -hmm. can you can you talk about how hectic that weekend was because it just seemed nuts to be guys like uh like elton joe playing over 180 minutes within was it the was it the course of like three days or two days you guys played it was i mean so yes you're right we're blessed that we had a group of owners who were you know okay and the well-to-do we actually got to Miami on Thursday. A lot of the other clubs were arriving in Miami, I would say Friday night, or some even got to Miami, yeah, Friday morning, because the semifinals was Friday, and then the finals was Sunday, so you have one, one day break. So a lot of the clubs were actually getting to Miami Friday morning. We flew about more than 30 people to Miami Thursday morning, so they were in Miami, like literally on Thursday, relaxing, you know, went, familiarized themselves, practice in the afternoon, had dinner collectively as a club. So we were there uh, because we knew exactly what was going to happen. But not every single club has that ability to be able to do that. You know, that's one area that we were blessed in because we are such good owners. And this club had actually been performing the internally as a professional organization, even before we made that jump, you know, not any amateur club would be able to fly 30, like 20 something players, including staff close to 30, right. Into Miami for nationals, everything paid for the players didn't have to put anything down, food, hotels, everything, accommodation, right. Then they played on Saturday we knew we had a very good team. We knew we had one of the best teams going into that tournament. And to me, that was the best Final Four tournament like in UPSL. Because after that tournament, UPSL hasn't been the same again in the Nationals Final Four. And I, I, you know, I watch, I'm a good you know, lover for amateur football because that's how we're also able to scout players. And I pay close attention to you know to the players, and I still I still watch UPSL, <laughs> believe it or not, because that's where you know we came from. I still watch it. But if you compare what those teams were, national wise, which is two, you said 2019, um, compared to the most recent nationals that they have, it's not the same quality. Production wise, the teams, it was very hectic. But it takes a lot of preparation, like you said, it's impossible. Like you play Friday and they had to come back from two zero down, you know, to win three, two. And then they go straight up the another 120 minutes on Sunday in overtime against practically the best team in the league. We're both undefeated, but they were playing in the most difficult conference in the entire country, which is the West coast, you know? So that was a very, very difficult end, but we knew, you know, being able to properly prepare for it and giving them the ability to be able to succeed. We knew they were going to succeed. Yeah. That, that weekend, that weekend was incredible. And I, I already knew I was going to be rooting for you guys anyways, just cause you guys are from like where my dad grew up. I have roots in that area. And then just seeing the way you guys played, I was like, Oh shit, like this, this is my team. Like, I love these dudes. These guys are going to be great. 
Thank you, Jake. So then from, you know, UPSL national title, how then does, does NISA come along? How, how, how does that become appealing for the club to make that jump? So, you know, a lot of, a lot of us were doing all these things. I mean, I'm part of the owners of the club. We're not, not being paid, right? Evan Ramis, you know, came in as the goalkeepers. And then, you know, from there, he became someone that was assisting when it comes to behind the scenes, posting, and, and doing a lot of stuff. So a lot of us did. We're not being paid. We're not being paid. So we didn't, we didn't really know what to expect, right? Because, again, we just wanted to create a club that is for everyone, whether you're black, white, whatever your sexuality is, we don't care. We just want to create an inclusive environment, right? And if you're a good player, we want your name to be seen. We want your face to be seen, regardless of anything, you know? So for us, being able to, we're not even thinking about going to the next level, to be quite honest. But after winning UPSL, while we're on the plane, the first people that reached out were were basically NISA. You know, saying, hey, we think you guys can make the next move. You can make the next level. What do you guys think? And what people don't understand is there's difference between building a club and building a brand. Those are two different things, right? If you're a club, you know, you can play every Sunday. You can advertise yourself, you know, and do the bare minimum. But if you want to build a brand, then you need to be able to sell jerseys. You know, people need to know about you. You need to create things like... You know, Alex, you, you, you took over the, the, the Twitter page for the Supporters Club. You, we have nothing to do with the Supporters Club. You guys are your own independent entity. You should be able to do what you want to do, you know, organic growth. And that's what, you know, we want. They're two different things. And at that point, we didn't think we were there yet as a brand, but we're still, you know, we're up and coming, right? We're doing the necessary, necessary things. We knew what our goal was, what our value is reach out to our community, try to get into our community. We don't just talk just to talk as a club. We actually speak with actions and we also follow through on those things. You know, we mean what we say. We don't just say stuff on social media and do the complete opposite, you know? So reaching out to the community and as soon as they reached out, they had a conversation with us and we felt like our mindset aligned with the mindset of what Nisa was trying to build. And it was a it was an easy easy thing. It took a lot of convincing from the from the ownership group, you know, to be able to make that job. Uh, but after seeing what their exactly what their vision is and what our vision is, it was easy for us to be able to match both together. And it was just an easy decision for us to make back then. In in regards to to what you were saying about like selling jerseys and stuff like that, who uh, who takes the reins as far as designing the kits? Because the, the stuff you guys are putting out is just awesome. Okay, that's the thing. <laughs> so literally, for like for example, now I'm already thinking about what next year's home jersey is going to look like. I come up with crazy ideas, but I and Evan will sit down in my basement, literally, and we're just like, okay, what do you think is going to happen if we try this, if we try that? You know, like the white jersey we owned jersey last year, it was my basement. Well, I'm like, okay, can we, what about the Maryland flag on like a white stuff? What do you think? How do you think that's going to look? We brainstormed with even uh, the Chesapeake River, what, you know, what, what, what that's going to look like. And we reached out to a couple of designers and, you know, they came up with two different things for us before we chose one. So that's why I said every single thing we do, we do is well thought of. Like we think about it, the same thing with the idea of, you know, having a, a jersey contest for, you know, the goalkeeper's jersey for this year. We're like, let's give the fans something to do, you know, you know, tell them, can they create, you know, our jerseys and see what we can pick. And, you know, now we chose so many jerseys that was created just to repay them back, you know, for them, the players are using it one way or the other. So it takes a lot of time, but it's well thought of. We sit down, we have meetings, and we brainstorm about things, uh, you know, and then we reach out to people and tell them, hey, can you help us design this? What do you think about this? Yeah. Um, so, Jay, the, uh, one of the things I noticed about the club first was um, you guys have, like, a strong, like, African presence on the team. Um, 
And then especially with a guy like Felix Anon, like how are, how are you making contact with these players from Africa? And uh, is there like a special way that you get them over to come play or make contact with them to come play? I mean, basically, honestly, is who you know. And if you trick people the right way, I feel like people would come uh, in your direction one way or the other. Uh, Felix was actually referred by one of uh, former assistant coaches from last year. And that's our way to get him. Uh, you know, and we said it, we're more of a, we, we try to be more of an open organization to have people come in. And just like what we did last year, you know, we're like, hey, all those players that helped us on amateur level, regardless of what the result is going to be in year one, we want to give them that opportunity. Come up, play, you've earned it. And prove to us that you belong here or you don't belong here, you know? So tell us if you can play. So we gave them that year to prove to us. And once they didn't, I mean, once some of them couldn't play at that level, we had two, we have to make the best decision for the club. So I think we will only continue to attract even bigger and better talent. Uh, you know, next year might even be different because players know good players. That's just the nature of it. Uh, you know, things might change uh, next year because you have someone like Darwin Espino who is the reason why Jocelyn is the reason why Darwin came, right? Because both of them played together as kids growing up. Now, Darwin is the... Uh, Manuel came because of Darwin. So players know each other. And I think next year is going to be the same. Next year might even be better, <laughs> you know? Because right now I know for a fact those three players are already talking to a couple of their players that, that didn't know that in USL, right? That don't mind coming, that want to come play for the Bobcats come 2023. So it's only going to continue to get better. And I think, yeah, it's a connection, but if you also treat them the right way, regardless of what it is, friends always refer friends uh, one way or the other. So I'm kind of curious about how the first, first, your day-to-day operations of the team. I'm curious about that, but then I'm also curious about, you know, how much the club changed when it went from amateur to pro day-to-day. Because all of a sudden, you're you're paying player salaries. You're dealing with a centralized league. You're dealing with travel arrangements of every single one of those games. So, would you mind talking about those things a little bit? I mean, my day-to-day, I have my regular job. Right, <laughs> I run multiple businesses, uh, so. Uh, when it comes to the the club itself, uh, I run an opened-up policy, and I don't micromanage people. And that's why you will not see my name a lot when it comes to the Buckcats, because I don't like taking credit for things, uh, because I believe we can all work together, and it should be for, you know, the central focus is the club. So me, my day-to-day is just trying to make sure the coaches have what they need. Uh, I don't really talk to the players because, you know, there's got to be that gap and that respect. So that's, that's not my job. You know, I'm the guy to reach out to when things needs to be fixed, when Evan cannot fix anything. I'm the next in line that they can reach out to that. Hey, can you help us solve this problem? Whatever the case may be. Uh, but overall, I let them do their things because we have a lot of people that are very experienced and good people within the organization and I trust them to make the right decisions and the right things. Um, you know, we're, did you have the ownership group in place as an amateur squad or did you have the structure of the team and then have to go pitch for investors at, at that point? So that's why I said we're kind of a completely different club, right? The ownership group had already been in existence even before we make the jump into the pro settings, uh, you know? Uh, so, we didn't have to make any pitch to anyone at that, you know, we didn't have to because, you know, they're there already, but I had to make the pitch to them because these ownership groups are my friends, you know, that I've known since college. And I had to make a pitch to them and say, Hey, I think this is the time for us to make that jump because this opportunity might not come again. Uh, you know, if we don't take it now, because I mean, there's been stories, we have seen stories of clubs who had such a, huge bust, huge buzz within a certain year or five, six years ago. But then they didn't capitalize on that buzz, right? And now 
we were fortunate to capitalize on our, capitalize on our boys. And we know, you know, how that turned out, you know, because it's always an opportunity. So I had to pitch that to them that, hey, I think this is, you have to make that opportunity now because it might not ever come again uh, if you don't. Do you all ever just sit around in a room and be like, well, you know, wow, all, all of a sudden we have a professional soccer club? Because I'm sure that wasn't the ambition when you started, but here you are a couple of years into NISA. I think the club's gaining traction. I think the league, you know, I, I think protagonist does a good job of covering it. It's getting more popular and you're seeing clubs like Chattanooga and Detroit city really make a name for themselves. So do you ever take time and sit back and, you know, recognize the whole of the project or is it mainly just like full speed ahead? No, we, <laughs> it's very difficult for my business partners to be like, Hey, wow, we made it. We will protein because, they're looking at their pockets and they're like, man, I'm giving this a man, this sucks with things like that. <laughs> so you have to like always tell them, hey guys, we didn't, we're not supposed to make it this far, but look at us now. We've made it this far, right? The only professional, outdoor professional soccer team in the state of Maryland. Even though some would tell you it wasn't, we're not supposed to be pro, you know, it's supposed to be them. Uh, but we're grateful to God that, you know, we had this opportunity to be able to come here. But again, anyone says, hey, it's so easy to run a pro team. It's a lie. It's not easy. It takes a lot, a lot of work. And most importantly, a lot of money. <laughs> American soccer, it's completely different. <laughs> if you don't have the funds to be able to run these clubs, you're wasting your time. It's just as simple as that. And if you think investors are just going to come and throw money at you, without proving like, you know, a Detroit or a Chattanooga, they, they have something they've been to here for years, right? But they also have something that is attractive to the clubs I mean, and to the investors. So it's easy for them to go in there and pour the money in there. I mean, Detroit averaging, what, 7,000 fans per game? They're making their money back easily. Uh, Chattanooga, what, two, 3,000? They're making their money back. So it's difficult for you to be able to, you know, sit down there. And that's why when people look at Bobcats, a lot of people be like, hey, Bobcat did it. We can do it. You need to go and study the behind the scene of how they got there. Are you willing to spend half a million dollars a year on a club? You know, are you, are you willing to do that? You know, it's not as easy as, Oh yeah, man, we could do it. We, we, they did it. Why can't we? We can. No, there's more to it. American football is different from that. Do you have the capital? Everything starts with money. It's just as simple as that. In as much as we don't want to talk about it, everything starts with money. You know, if you don't have the funds and capital, it's difficult. And not everyone wakes up in the middle of night and say, "Hey, I have to make sure that the employees are paid." I think about that every day if I go to sleep. You know, I'm not one of those uh, presidents or part owners. That I'll, I'll rather make sure my players are paid and be broke than don't care about them. Sure, and I, I think the, the players, like you said, that how they're recruiting their friends and everything can, can see that, and that's just one more reason to be interested in the club. So I have to ask, too, since we're, since we're talking finance – um, you know, what do you pitch to investors in, in five, 10 years of what the club could look like to make it an attractive investment? Because I've been thinking about the break-even numbers for the club and there's some thread, there's a thread on the NISA subreddit about, you know, it was postulating which clubs were profitable and, and everyone's just kind of curious around NISA, which clubs are. So, I, I mean, how, how does this look attractive to an investor? Uh, you, you have to look at the history of the club, right? And how well they've done and what the optic is. Uh, last year, we were per game. I think we're, we're seeing about 300, 400 fans uh, for first year, just coming out of COVID. Now, this year, we're talking about upwards of 700. That's a big jump. Uh, you know, that, that is taking upwards, you know, and if you tell me this two years ago that we're going to be having 700 plus, like first game was over 850 fans at the stadium. I would laugh at you and walk away and be like, you're joking. <laughs> like, that's, like, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, so we pitch that we pitch, we, we can, you know, at least now you have a graph to be able to show them that, Hey, 
you know, we're ticking upwards. You know, something is going on here. You know, you pitch the fact that we're making so many more connections within the community. Uh, you know, a lot of people now want to be involved within the club. A lot of people want to be coming and help in any way, shape or form that they can. Uh, pitch the fact that the youth academy is growing tremendously, uh, like you said, uh, which is now a nonprofit organization as well. Alex, Cisse, Trippy, those guys are busting their behind. Uh, Alex is, I mean, he's working nonstop. He's the president of the youth academy, uh, by the way. So he's working nonstop. We have all the people that you guys don't know about, like ladies like Lise Laurie, uh, who are helping out. Alex's girlfriend is also helping out as well. So that side of things is also growing tremendously. Uh, we're going from four teams to possibly four teams last year in our first year to possibly 10 this, this year. So the attraction is there, you know. Uh, that's another way to be able to, you know, advertise ourselves to them and telling them we're more than just a club as well, you know. We care about our community. Uh, we want to be there within our community. We want to be able to help out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, we're not just there to, to you know, make money and then buy juices. You, you don't know us. You know, when I walk into a room, I don't want people to see me as the president of Bobcats. No, I want people to see me as Jay. Let's have a conversation. How can we come together? How can we work together? I hate putting on suit. I'm the type that I want to wear my joggers and regular shirt and just walk everywhere, <laughs> you know? So No, I would not put that on. So I want people to be comfortable around me because I think humility and being humble goes a long way. Uh, and that's how I was raised. And th- that's how I believe you get the best out of people and you can, you know, attract a lot more people within the club. So together, we can work together and do something special speaking of working together um the the news about the camp with everton because you were talking about the youth teams as well the news about the camp with everton how exciting or how excited was evan (laughs) we all know evan i was i was joking and playing with him and i was telling him that i mean at least we're going to be watching championship football every Thursday or Monday. I was, you know, when <laughs> if they if they got relegated because I'm a Chelsea fan. So when the play yeah. towards the last end of last season, I was for sure saying, "No, we got to kill these guys." They but then they you, won right? one zero. Yes, they beat us once. They beat my team one zero. So I mean, Evan is Evan is excited. I mean, that's I'm his team. Me, me on screen, Jay. Oh, you a Chelsea fan too, Alex? Jay, Mike hates that I have this in my closet. <laughs> I've got nothing I to say about Chelsea was. fans. That's yeah, no words. Better than Everton, but but <laughs> go for it. I mean, they're they're no they're no Brighton and Hove Albion, but you know, we got to chat good. about that sometime. That's a very curious. But, no, but no, but Jake, like you guys play some of the best football in the EPL, by the way. Like, I'm not oh, yeah. even lying. And I was so mad that Basuma is going to Tottenham. It's, it pisses me off so much. I was, I was like, wow. Because I was, you know, and the price they got, they paid for him too. It's ridiculous. And he's a box-to-box player. It's very difficult to be able to find players like that nowadays in the world. And for me personally, he's a better player than Rice. For me personally. But then if Chelsea goes now and go buy Rice, they're talking about 100 million. They just bought Basuma for 29 million pounds. Yeah. I would take a Basuma over Rice, honestly, because he's a box-to-box player. And uh, some of those midfielders, I, I don't know. I, I really, you guys play some of the best football in the EPL. Like, you play really, really well. Uh, and, it sucks that Basuma is going to Tottenham. I didn't want him in that. With I didn't want him there. I just didn't want him there. <laughs> yeah, he's he's special. He's a special player. So back to the. Uh, I, I could talk about Premier League all day. I really could. Trussard and Cucurella and uh, Brighton. <laughs> but back to the Everton camp for a second. Um, how did that come about? It's so. I've been sharing it with everybody I know that plays soccer, trying to get kids to go for it because not only is it affordable 
it's a Premier League squad coming in and doing a camp in Maryland. It's awesome, and it's got to be good good publicity for the club, I'd imagine. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's amazing. Again, we're grateful. You know, we are humbled that you know they could have selected so many other clubs around the area, but we're blessed and we're grateful that they chose. Uh, Bobcats. Uh, that connection came, you know, with linkage uh, with with uh, Omo because I mean, as you guys know, we have a deal with Omo, uh, and they reached out to uh, Evan and said, you know, there's a possibility you guys would be able to do this, and we talked about it. We sat down, and then we say, yeah, they all discussed it. Evan, Alex, Coach Paul, all the management people that were going to get involved, and they 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 all accepted that it's a good good move, and that's how it came about. So is the camp going to have Everton players or is it just Youth Academy um, staff from Everton coming over and, and working with Bobcat staff or how's it, how's it working? As far as I'm concerned, again, Evan adds more detail because, again, I, I'm not hands-on. I let them go ahead and do, do things. Uh, I don't micromanage people. So I think as far as I'm concerned, they are bringing all their coaches, top coaches, to come in and run the camp. Uh, I think that's what they're doing. There could be more, but Mr. Raymond has more detail when it comes to those internal scoop of things. Well, if you see uh, Frankie Lampard coming up, you'll have to grab a selfie with him at least. Of course, of <laughs> course. I mean, it's so sad. <laughs> they didn't, the Chelsea fans didn't want him to be relegated just because of the Chelsea fan. He's a great player. I love him as a player, but I didn't like him as a coach. So let me put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard when Tuchel comes behind him and wins a Champions League title to to like what he was doing before that, right? Yeah, I think Everton, go to Everton, go to smaller clubs and learn before you come into a big club like Chelsea. Chelsea is not a club where you can experiment. And I thought he wasn't ready. We had one season with Derby, couldn't bring them into the premiership. And then Chelsea decided, let's give him, nah, that's ridiculous. Uh, it, I'm not a crazy Chelsea fan. We just say, yeah, he's a legend. He's a Chelsea legend, but he's not better than, than, than Grand Potter. He's not. It's just facts. He needs to go learn somewhere else like Jared did with Rangers and then now take on the job. Jared is being prepped to take over Liverpool. That's what is happening. But he's learning. And you can see how he's progressing each season as a manager. Yeah, for sure. I mean... Yeah, there's a lot that can be said about Frank Lampard's uh, managerial skills, but I don't want to keep you too long. Uh, I want to be cognizant of your time here. So I'm just curious what the ambitions are for the club in the, in the next you know, year, three years, five years, if you wouldn't mind indulging us a little bit, and then we'll let you get out of here. No problem. For, for us, we want to continue to grow uh, as a club. We want to continue to give back to our community. We never, never say never where the future holds, you know, like we always hope we can go climb up the ladder higher, higher, as far as we can go. So for us, community first, we'll, you know, I'm grateful. The goal, the, the, the reason why this club started is to give opportunity to those players that probably has been forgotten, right? And look at it after our first year. Now we have about five players playing elsewhere. You know, someone like Taylor Gray now probably would have been seen by Chattanooga had Ina played for Bobcat last fall, right? Last year, I mean, you know, I knew it was a special player, right? But things happen. Uh, Marion Moussi, Molly Kappe, you know, you have all these players now, even on USL Echo, Nico Brown, Riverville Triumph. Uh, you know, you have Tunde Akilo Soto, USL League One as well, Jake Dangla, Tormenta. So now... <laughs> Bobcat can say we are fulfilled. We're fulfilling our goal. After year one, we have five plus players that are playing pro constantly right now. You know, and we have a good relationship with a lot of them. And down the line, if they want to come back, they're more than welcome to come back home. But at least we've paved the way and we've put them in front of others of the world to be able to see them. And even if they don't continue with us, they'll go elsewhere and succeed. The same thing with management. You know. If anyone becomes more successful and someone else comes from MLS, USL, wants one of our management, we, we want that. We want growth. We want, you know, people to make what is best for them. And I think we're fulfilling that role now. And the goal is always continue to fulfill and do what we stand for. We would never deviate from our modem for all. And we'll continue to do what we're supposed to do. As long as we don't lose sight of that 
I think the sky is the limit. And that's what's so lovely about lo- lower league soccer and NISA in general. And what gets me excited about it is that there's more players that have opportunities and it's just, it's what you want to see. Um, you know, that did bring up one more question, if you don't mind, too, is I would imagine early on signing players to multiple year contracts is pretty much out of the question when you're when you're early ownership. But is there any thought to maybe then extending players multiple years so then you can go on and, and think about some of these sell on clauses and, and some of the things that you're starting to kind of see in NISA right now? Yeah, for us coming into the brand new league, we didn't know, right? If we jump from amateur to a pro setting, we didn't have any idea. And you also want, it's very important that you bring a player that understands the culture, right? That was a big mistake we made last year, that wants to be here, that understand what we stand for, right? If you bring a player that don't understand, you know, your culture, that don't understand what you're trying to implement and what your club stands for, then you're screwing yourself over. And if you sign that kind of player to a multiple-year deal, then you're stuck. <laughs> so it is very important. I mean, we we don't we haven't done that yet, but I believe I think once this season is over, there are few players that then we are definitely going to sign to multiple-year contract because not only have they shown that they can play on the field, but their personality fits what we're trying to build. You know, they That's fit it. what we stand for as a club. So definitely, after this year is over. For sure, there will be few players that will be signing to that multiple-year deal. So at least they have multiple-year contract with us. And should any other club want them, then they will have to pay a franchise fee for them. Sure. And I want to give Alex and Jake to, to ask any last questions here before we let Jay get back to his, his life. Okay. Um, just uh, I just want to say, uh, not really a question, just the, the Mid-Atlantic Cup for the, the under-14, that, that was awesome news. Um, I forgot which manager was saying it. It was from, a, from I think, a USL club. He was talking about like a real success of a club is when you start seeing those youth players come up. Are, are there any guys – I mean, you don't have to name names so you don't make anybody feel bad, but are there any guys in particular that you have your eye on, like maybe 17 and under for first-team reps? Okay, up? so last year the club, we had a, a reserve team, right? That now we changed to the academy. Uh, we had a bunch of grown people playing in it right but that's not what we want the academy to be like right we want these kids at the age of 16 17 18 to be playing against men because that's how they're going to learn uh the, the academy now plays in the maryland super league right and they're at the bottom of the table but that's not the point <laughs> you know a lot of clubs would be like oh no i said i don't care if they get relegated right because they have to learn how, do, how else do you develop players? You know, are you just going to bring them in and tell them, come and play on the pro team? No, that's not how it works. They need to be playing against these big boys. They need to start learning. And that's how they're going to, you know, come up. You know, if we're going to call it an academy, then we have to use it as an academy. And, you know, they are guys that we are focusing on. But we also want them to keep playing, right? And no matter what the result is, they need to keep playing. And Cissé called me this past weekend how excited he was because he said, finally, they're getting it. You know, they're playing very well together. They're moving the ball around together. They lost. They tied 2-2. They were up 2-0. And they tied 2-2 in the last 10 minutes after outplaying the team. I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, that's the point. You know, like they need to develop. They need to continue to learn. If they get go to Division 2, it's okay. That team is there for growth and growth only. It's not for them to win championship. Sure, if they get better, they might start blowing teams away, right? And that's the difference between having a club and having a brand. You know, a lot of people are so focused on the club about win, 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 but then they don't have any goal. They win, but then they're stuck. Okay, what do we do with it? We're winning all these trophies, but you're still stuck in one direction. What is the future aspiration? What is your goal? Are you building yourself a brand, right? Or are you just a club? So that's the goal. Everything has to work together. And we have so many good things coming up next year as well. You know, so many good things that you guys are going to be happy about that we're working on right now. We're not meeting, waiting till December to start meeting. I'm telling you, we're meeting in July, August to start preparing for what 2023 is going to look like. That's a brand, not a club. <laughs> Alex, any uh, any last thoughts here? Jay, thanks for what y'all are doing. 
Seriously. Yeah, um, for real. It's been I, I've haven't been um in this for a ton of time. My first match was last season against nineteen oh four and I sat there with a couple hundred people maybe. So to go to the plex like you were saying and sit with seven or eight hundred people each week is is really cool. Um the growth I've seen in one year is incredible. To hear about the growth from the past couple of years is absolutely mind blowing. Um, to hear your philosophy on the club of building and not, it's not all about the success. It's building and building and building. And it's a really cool thing. And I'm really happy you were in this area and we're really happy to support y'all. Well said. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much, Jacob. And the, the most important thing also is that I listen to you guys every week. I listen to Night 270 every week as well. Never feel bad. We want you to criticize us. <laughs> we don't want you to tell us Bobcat is great all the time. I listened to your show, what you guys said last time. You, you were absolutely right in all of it. It's facts. You know, this team is too talented to be playing this way. They need to fix up their stuff. They need to get their shit together. It's true. You need to, you know, if you're not honest with us, then who's going to be honest with us, right? Nobody is going to be honest with us if you guys don't tell us the truth. If we do something bad and you're the ones still saying, yeah, they're good, man, Bobcat this. No, you can support us, but you can also criticize us and let us know we're fucking up. <laughs> we need to wake up and do what we're supposed to do. It's fact, you know, and I'm very, very grateful for the transparency. I'm grateful for the honesty, you know. It shows that you guys really care for the club. You love the club and you want it to succeed. You know, are things going to be perfect? No. Uh, I think we have we've done a lot of work during the offseason to try to put a good team together that can help us succeed this year. Yes, they hit a bump one, you know, one way or the other, but I think hopefully they can snap out of their stuff and actually start playing the same football they played the first five, year, five games of the season. So every club we hit that bump. Every club is going to have that rough path. You know, but when you have it... When you have that rough path is the most important thing. It's good they're having it now. Hopefully they snap out of it. But please continue to criticize us. Continue to tell us what we need to do better at because that's what makes us better. And I'm sitting here, Jay, with the screen up in, in the background of my MacBook here. It's two days, 20 hours, and 38 minutes. <laughs> um, all are going to roll into Romeo and you're going to tear it up. <laughs> Hopefully they will. We're gonna Hopefully. see a uh, we're gonna see a plot twist this week in the Nisa in the Nisa table. Hopefully so that's the, that's the you got the Flower Boys and whatever mm-hmm. we're calling that team in Syracuse now. The team formerly known as the AC Syracuse Pulse. Something <laughs> sponsored by Wegmans, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. We out. Yeah, thank you, thank you guys, thank you guys so much. Have a good night. I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. All right, we're gonna uh, wrap up a little bit because we were just chatting Nisa anyway, so we figured we might as well pop the record button on while we're still up. But what were we talking about now? I forget. The uh, there was Open Cup. Yeah. Now Island. So we were talking about George Yunkai a little bit, and now I'm all curious about this takeover of LA Force. And oh yeah, dude, that's so. Here's the thing: like everybody that is on the outside wants to attack Nisa. It's just what's going to happen every time. There's a post today. I don't know if you guys saw um, Valley announced that they're taking a 30 day hiatus. What? Yeah, Valley United announced earlier today they're taking a 30-day hiatus. From the league? Yeah, so they are – it's four games. They've all been rescheduled. Okay. They are shutting down the front office to do a full sweep to ensure that there's no other wrongdoing within the front office. Um, And I, I don't hate it. I don't want to see bad things happen to the league. I also believe in them running their club the right way. I don't want them to continue to function if something fucky is happening inside. And the ownership, like the ownership is who blew the whistle. 
the ownership is that they're the he this gentleman I don't know his name is the one who called Nisa and said you need to do something about this club that I'm running that I own <laughs> like he's a very hands off person like Jay is Jay kept saying I don't get involved in the day to day that's I have people that do, I have a front office and that's what happened they had a front office that was doing shifty nonsense and I mean. I can respect the hell out of a club saying we've got to handle something, but I hope it doesn't end up being a permanent hiatus. Damn. I was I was going to go see Bobcats play there in August. I think Dan Vaughn was going to go out there. Cool. You might still see him. Yeah. Who knows? How far is that from you? That, that like That's driving distance, right? Yeah, like five hours. It's Texas is weird, man. It's – like people are like, oh yeah, go to San Antonio. It's like San Antonio is eight hours away. I'm closer to Phoenix. I'm closer to like Santa Fe, all those places. Huh. Oh yeah, my wife and I went to Santa Fe. Uh, it's beautiful. We flew into Albuquerque, which is not so beautiful. Oh no. We had yeah. fun there. I've only ever been to Frisco. I did want to see New Mexico United when I went there, but I did not get a chance. Nah, they're they're not worth it. Really. Well, no, I'm a I'm a locomotive fan as well. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the the team up north. So I uh, tomorrow after I get it. So or no Friday. So tomorrow is the last day of school for my students. Nice. Um, and Congrats. then on on Friday we have our wrap up day. And then Friday when I get home, I'm gonna jump in the car with my fiance and we are going to drive to Nashville. Twelve um, hours. Like, How far is that? Yeah, twelve hours. Um, Fort Campbell. Um, because I just found out my best friend who he doesn't listen to this because he thinks this is dumb that I'm doing this, but um, Lord of he, he, uh, <laughs> he found Fuck out you, this friend <laughs> that um, come Wednesday or Friday, I can't remember which day, he is deploying to Poland. Oh, shit. Um, to be something. He's told. Interesting location handling refugee out of out of out of us uh sweden and who knows so we're driving down there to see him we're gonna hit up the new geodis park in nashville i'm just gonna i'm just gonna take like a million pictures and send them to jay and be like hey you said ownership has deep pockets (laughs) it was nice to hear that the club is seemingly financially stable yeah Definitely. And that's another thing that I like I meant to bring up this evening, but I don't know if you saw earlier, I tweeted about the pride I tweeted from the old Babergate account about the Pride Razor, and somebody decided to make a comment about how they didn't agree with the fact that we were supporting Really? Partic- a, a charity in that realm and that they would never support the Bobcats again. And wow. before I could even see it, the Bobcats responded. And oh, said, we hope you're good at some point in your life, but you don't need to be here. Yeah. And that's – I did not notice it. that. I'm, I'm going to go look that up after. I'm seeing lots of – I like this is one of my fa- – like I love – I hate and love Twitter all at once because I see some of the coolest stuff in the world on Twitter and I see some of the worst stuff in the world on Twitter. Like the, the couple of folks that I've – kind of made friends with in uh in florida for the tampa bay rowdies some of their folks from ralph's mob tampa bay posted earlier today these are our pride night kits the money's going towards the soccer fund and their club supporters were like what is the soccer fund are you going to tell us where this money is going because the human fund from seinfeld yeah (laughs) so so like some of their loudest voices in their supporter group were like, no, that's not how this is going. You're going to give us a real charity we're sending this money to or we're not going to be involved in this. And like I love seeing that speak out and speak up thing. Also, Jake, I love your kid. Yeah, it's a new uh, motoric. I got – um uh how do you say this night ass blasted by um Oliver <laughs> York uh, and ended up buying like five or six kits. Oh really? So oh, I didn't hit the pre-order number? No, no, no. I I bought 
our kit. Oh, okay, good, good. I'm, I'm going to end up buying, because I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Olive in York, um, what is it, Kids Across America? Oh, they're yeah. Doing, they're doing a kit for each state. Um, the Maryland kit that I believe got picked is awesome. It's like a light blue, and it's a blue crab on the front, and then it's got like the Bay Bridge. Mm. It's really nice. Um, but I got like a kit for myself, a kit for my fiance, that Maryland kit, the Omaha pellets kit. Cause that was beautiful. And I'm a little nerd, but then they dropped us that, that one with, uh, the dog on the sleeve snowball. Oh yeah. And I was like, ah, you're killing me with a good story here. Getting they're ta- they're taking all my money. New York. You've never seen that episode of uh, It's Always Sunny with the bike? Yeah, with the ass blasting. Yeah, with the bike. <laughs> it keeps me motivated while I'm riding. <laughs> we were talking Nisa, now we're off the yeah, rails. Do you want to talk a little bit uh, Independent Cup? Jake had the Jake had the Jake uh, had the lead the lead in. Yeah. And then you screwed him. So yeah, I know. Sorry, oh. Alex. I feel like I talk over everybody sometimes, but it is the way Which, it is. That wasn't even like a like a lead into the open cup. I was just saying that uh, I forgot even which team it was. Um, right as we were getting ready to boot up, I, I saw a Nisa official had posted like some header. It was like a great goal. I forgot who scored it. Let me look. I'm gonna take a peek. I'm but, super. I'm super excited to watch um, watch these clubs that are in in the Bobcats division. I'm super excited to watch uh, Steel Pulse play. Yeah, in the higher level, Rockville Soccer Club, which I barely have known existed, is in their division. Yeah. And I live in Rockville, so I should probably check. You that talking out. about the? You talking about the the the? the there was a uh, LA Force goal posted. Um, yeah, it's like a corner or a oh, cross a screamer. Yeah. Oh, that froze that froze the Flower City keeper. Wow. Hmm. Nothing like a Flower City game to burst your, uh, you know, your goal scoring cherry. I was gonna say, are you about to say what I think you're gonna say? Oh, yes. We've turned around, ass blasted. Now that Jay's gone, the uh, we were we were censored until Jay started dropping <laughs> bombs on us. I appreciated that. Yeah. Although I'm tempted did to put this he, in the beginning the, of the episode now. Did he yeah. use the word "fucky"? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's so funny. I like, I love talking to Evan. Sorry, Evan, <laughs> but Jay is the most down to earth dude I've ever met. Maybe it's because I haven't sat down and like talked to Evan in excess. It's normally just passing. But good lord, Jay Saba is a real down to earth dude. Did uh did you guys donate to Evan's MS fundraiser? Yes. Yeah, I got in there on that. Yeah. I gotta say no uh live on the air here. Not yet, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling poor though with two children and Oh no, that's poor. understandable. I'm getting like I like I told you about the Olive and York thing, uh, the the blasting. Um, also, MLS dropping their Pride pre match kits. Oh yeah, and then today they dropped a Unity kit for Juneteenth, and that is stunning. Yeah, for and, for every teamer. Yeah, it's like it's a pre match kit, but it's flower. It's like flowers. And you'll learn if you're ever around me for any excess of time. I have a, um, I'm a whore for a good floral pattern. He's a floral whore. Surprised you're not a a Flower City fan. Then I'm a whore for a good floral pattern, and I am a slut for crab rangoon. (laughs) (laughs) I have a T-shirt that says that. Maybe that should be the uh, third kit for the Bobcats next year. <laughs> <laughs> the crab crabs. Get a, yeah, get Jake, a tramp stamp, uh, you know, crab in the back but of I the told, jersey there. I told uh, Mike when I go to Nashville this weekend, I buy something at every at every place I go to. So I'll have to. I'll probably get a um, a Nashville one, just because I don't have any alliances in MLS really, mm-hmm. other than. 
go into DC United matches with some of our guys from the old Bay Brigade. That thing's sweet. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not the biggest MLS guy, obviously. Yeah. Like, I'm a sucker for a good kit. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to buy like a Charlotte kit just because I grew up in North Carolina, but all they did is they just made a freaking blue Arsenal jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can convince uh, Jay and the Cats to do to do like a, a Hawaiian shirt jersey next year. That would be a bad goalie uh, goalkeeper kit. I, text, I texted Evan one day and I was like, bro, you drop a Maryland Bobcats uh, Hawaiian shirt and I'll buy five of them. They should just oh, go yeah. straight up like Old Bay can, you know. Dude, yeah. you mean like the one I wore? Oh, you weren't at that match either. Oh, man. I've missed a bunch of matches. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My. Are you talking about like? Are you talking about like a flower shirt like the that the Orioles used to give away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Share the button down. Well, I have, I have um, quite a few different. I have uh, all of those different giveaways from all the years, and I actually had one that I had a friend chop up into pieces and make it into a pair of shoes for me. So oh, she shoot. took a pair of Vans classics and covered all the fabric. So yeah, I have a I have a I have a problem when it comes to uh comes to those. I would buy more kits, but my wife tells me I smell in them because the sweat wicking properties oh, of kits yeah. I smell like I just I reek when I wear kits. I can't yeah, I sat near you at a match. I get I get what she's saying. Do I smell? Could you smell me for real? Because <laughs> no. I'm very sensitive to it because I fucking smell all the time. I know. My my wife, she's like, she's like, oh, that's that's nice. You bought another one. You stink in those things. And then she's, yeah, she gives me crap for it all the time. I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one. Because every time I buy one, I'm like scared to wear it around the house. I keep my arms down, stinking everybody out. Although not really. All right, okay, gents. Boys. 